Good morning. My name is Brian. I am a student pastor here. And yes, I am from Alabama. And there will be an occasional double negative. But here, here's the thing. Because I, I, you might not say I, I've done did that. I do. I've embraced that. But um, I, I got to let y'all in on something, man. Because a lot of people, I get this a lot. Like, you talk funny. I'm like, and y'all act like Tennessee from Alabama is like Tennessee to Canada. You know what I mean? I'm like, y'all talk just as funny. I mean, um, Maybe I talk a little bit more funny, but I have embraced it. So if you don't understand me this morning, uh, when you walk out those two doors, there'll be an interpreter and you can just get the written transcript of, of what I have this morning. So I hope you all had a Merry Christmas uh, and I pray that you have a Happy New Year. But this Christmas, man, it was just, I was, we were in Alabama and I, I can't count the emails, the texts and everything of people who are walking through something, whether it be loss, whether it be fear, whether it, it be a struggle or something like that. And I, I think everybody in here knows somebody who's walking through something this morning. My prayer has been consistent as I pray that it's been consistent in your life that God, please let everyone know that you are real. Um, you know their struggle, you know their pain, you haven't went anywhere and you're ever present uh, every day that we take a breath here on this earth until we walk into eternity with you. So with that being said, let's lift up um, this morning in prayer. Father, we pray for everyone um, just this season, Lord, who, who has struggled, had a battle with whatever it may be, spiritual attacks, fear, loss, everything. I just pray, Lord, that we, we know that you know our pain, you know our hearts, even to the point, Lord, that you knew we were a people with no hope. So you sent your son. And this morning, may we celebrate that, that through him, we can have eternity with you. For your son, Jesus' name we pray, amen. Man, we all have fears. I think everybody in here has fears. It's different for everybody. Somebody may say fear of tornadoes. Somebody, I don't know what it is. I, I was thinking last night, a, a healthy fear I have is of cats, and it started a long time ago. Now, listen, disclaimer, if you're a cat person, I love you, and I, I love your cat. I don't love your cat. I love you, okay? And, but I wish your cat well. Um, it's not like I walk by and see somebody's cat. I'm like, oh, man, I wish I'd throw out off a bridge. Not, not people I know, at least. And so I'm just saying, uh, it started when I was uh, little. My aunt and uncle had a cat that would climb on the refrigerator, and it would jump off on your head. And this is no exaggeration. Every time. And I remember my cousin Mark one time tried to sneak in past curfew. It was, of course, he didn't cut any lights off, but he didn't make it far because the cat was on the refrigerator, and it jumped off on his head. And that will scare you half to death. And my aunt and uncle tried to make this an anointing thing, right? It was like, well, Mark snuck in. God knew he was doing bad, so he's anointed this cat. And I'm like, no, he had, the cat's anointed from Satan. I walked in. I walked through the house eating a sandwich in broad daylight, and the cat jumped on my head. It, it's, it's evil. I was reading the book of Daniel this week, and I know why I had the dream, but I had a dream. Me and my wife were thrown into a pit of cats, and I was like, I was screaming, and my wife was just looking at me. I was like, what's going on with you? Um... It's just this thing that cats had when me and my wife uh, moved when we were in Alabama and, and we had, this cat had kittens. I don't remember the whole story of it, but I remember I had to go get these kittens and they were so evil and they were cats attack out of nowhere. Like you're just sitting there, just you and the cat. And I'm like, I didn't even do anything to you. 
And so I went to get these cats, and they just clawed me. And, and so ever since then, man, I see a cat, and there's just this healthy level of fear I have for them because I know they're a little beast, and, and they, they could claw. And there's nothing as painful as a cat claw. So that's a fear. But I'm, one of the fears that I'm talking about that I want to address this morning is I remember one of my friends, he would go to church with me. Neither one of us was a believer. I thought I was a believer back then, but we'd always go to church, and he hated church. And uh, I remember Amazing Grace, and when we get to the part where he'd been here 10,000 years, and he would always look at me and say, I feel like I've been here 10,000 years. He just did not like it, right? Uh, I remember him saying things like, how many times do you guys stand and sit and pray and stand? And I was like, wait a minute, that's illogical. I'll give you that. And, uh, but we would go out. I remember, I'll never forget the day we went out to his car. And I was like, what is it, though? What is it really with you in church, man? Because your whole family goes to church. And, um, and he looked at me. I'll never forget it. He was getting in his car. And he's like, uh, the God that you guys talk about could never use me. And that has stuck with me. Because I remember in the Navy when I came to Christ, I, I remember having that initial thought God can never use me because I'm thinking back in my past, all the abuse and, and all those things that I went through and all the fear that I had on a constant daily basis. And I'm like, God can never use anybody like me. So chances are you here this morning, you've had that thought. You thought, God can never use me either because of your past or maybe even because of your present. You have thought God can and never will use me. He's got to be disappointed at me. He's got to be mad at me. Look, and you just pile up the list of things of why God can not use you. And the only way I know to get that point across in your life, the same way that it's getting uh, the point across in my life is through scripture, because that's the only thing that I know that is absolute truth and shows us that this is just something in our mind that either the enemy has put there or we put there ourselves. So with that being said, Acts chapter 9. I want you to pay attention to the story of Saul, and I want you to keep in mind your story. So a lot of times we will start comparing ourselves to each other, right? Like, I mean, I wish I was like so-and-so because, man, their faith is so awesome. Uh, if we do that, man, we're going to be miserable. But if you want to put your story of why you think that God can't use you up against what we're about to read, that's perfectly fine because you will start to realize, well, maybe God can use me. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against his Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus. Man, that part. I've had a Mountain Dew and two cups of coffee, but that right there is just all. You don't need that to just get chills. If you, Man, okay. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus for three days. He was blinded and did not eat or drink 
anything. We can finish the story. Saul later becomes Paul. The scales falls off his eyes. He was converted to Christianity. But before this, this fear that we have of him, we make this so complicated, this, this faith thing. It's like trying to eat raisin bran with a straw. It's really not as complicated as we make it. The key word is surrender. But what blocks us from getting to that word surrender? Well, we surrender everything to God and we realize he's so real in our life. And I want to point out three things that keep us from realizing that God can really use us. And one is your past condition. These things that I'm telling you are absolutely zero obstacles for God. So your past condition is no obstacle. Verse 1, meanwhile Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciple. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue of Damascus. So he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them. According to Paul's own testimony, he was guilty of doing the very thing, everything in his power to put Christianity to death. The same guy that a lot of times we, and I'm guilty of it too, we're like, man, I wish I could be like Paul. How, how did Paul do all this? He's like super Christian. And now we got a flash forward back before Paul. He was Saul and he did not like anyone who had anything to do with Jesus. Paul was a murderer. He was a rebel against the Lord Jesus. Religiously, he was a man to be envied, but internally, he was as wicked of a man that ever walked the face of the earth. Listen to what he describes himself in 1 Timothy 13 through 15. Listen to what he says. Even though I once was a blasphemer and a persecutor. This is the past that Paul had. It's not an obstacle for God, but listen to him. Even though I once was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, here's the sweet part. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. In Acts 7.58, the Bible indicates that Saul slash Paul gave the approval to the murder of Stephen since he guarded the clothes of those who stoned the preaching deacon to death. So Paul was a wicked man, but this proved to be zero obstacle to the grace of God. So you're sitting here this morning like I do so many times and you're thinking, okay, man, you, you, the, the enemy is getting you to just make a list of every reason why you cannot be used of God. What about your past? What about everything you're doing in your present? And when he does this, there's usually three things, three records of our past that normally keep us from being all that we are in Christ. One, the record you carry in your own mind. You absolutely are convinced you cannot be used of God because you make the list of reasons why you can't. Two, the record carried by those who knew you before salvation. You, you ever been surrounded by the people who have told you that? Like once you come to know Jesus, they're like, but... Remember when you did this and you did that? And, and, and that's going to happen our whole lives because there's some people that are just like that. That's negative people. So they're going to remind you of everything you've ever done in your past. So if you don't do it and people around you don't do it, I can guarantee you the record carried by the enemy is going to convince you that you're not worthy to be used by God. The enemy will remind you of every single thing, past and present, that you have done and will absolutely convince you you can never be used by God. Although we just read 
We just read Saul, and we, we, the same God who rescued Saul, the same grace that was poured upon a man who was violent towards people who believed is the same God who handles everything that we've been through and are going through where the enemy has convinced us we're just not worthy. Church, we have to keep in mind our past is not who we are now if we have faith in Christ. Listen to what else Paul wrote here. By the man, it's so amazing. And I purposely, God purposely just give all this scripture that was written by Paul. The same man that we read about who persecuted Christians. So the past was no obstacle. Listen to what he writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's a past that fits just about anybody. It, it's there. These people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. The enemy has convinced you that you still are. You're still not worthy. You can't get over your past. God remembers your past. It's just lie after lie after lie. But listen to what Paul wrote. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Your past does not define you and it's not an obstacle for God because everything that the enemy convinced you that he remembers and everybody else remembers, God wiped it clean the day that you put your faith in Jesus Christ. He does not keep the record of your past. And all these people in Scripture, that's so much inspiration in Scripture. Simon Peter preached his greatest message and had his greatest ministry after he denied Christ three times. Moses was a murderer, yet God used him for his glory. Samson sinned against God, yet he slew more Philistines in the end of his life than he had during his entire ministry. Abraham lied, yet he was used of the Lord. Jacob was a deceiver. Yet the Lord transformed and used him greatly. And there are so many stories that we could keep going. But these are sufficient for us to know. God does not care about your past. If he washed it clean, he is with you walking into the present and future. The past that you keep remembering like I do so many times is either from you, from somebody around you, or from the enemy. In this point in time, you have to choose surrender like, okay, God, I believe that you are greater than anything in my past. So your past is not an obstacle for God. Number two, your present, your present circumstances is not an obstacle. Verse two, and asked for him for letters to synagogues in Damascus so that he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Paul was on his way to Damascus to find Christians to arrest and take them to their deaths. He was filled with hatred. This was his present. He was filled with hatred. He's seen believers as enemies. And he wanted nothing more than to completely destroy anything or anyone connected with the name of Jesus Christ. Yet in spite of all this, the Lord was able to change this man and use him for his glory. And the Lord is able to take us exactly where we are, change what needs to be changed, and then he uses us greatly. The stories are over and over and over and over. And you can remember in your life, 
This present time, whether it be through the holidays or whenever it was, you were walking through your house or you were walking somewhere and you had that thought of, okay, God is officially done with me right now because look at everything that I have done here in my present life. I get it so much. I had a teenager a few weeks ago that told me, it's like, oh my gosh, God has to hate me. There's no way that God could use me. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You're at the perfect place at the perfect time confessing to be able to surrender and say, okay, God, here's my present. I give it to you. And just like with Saul, I need you to wipe my eyes clean so I can see how great you are and everything that you have done through Scripture to people's lives in the present that changed the world forever. Simon Peter preached his greatest message and had his greatest ministry after he denied the Lord. Moses, like we said, was used for the Lord in the present. And he was the one who said, I can't even, I don't even have elegant speech. So many stories in the Bible. Saul being the greatest and inspires me because in his present, walking down that road with the mind, I'm going to hurt anyone or arrest anyone who has anything to do with Jesus. And right there in his present, God showed up. And it's like that through scripture. We're in a series called, or we was in a series called Soundtrack with the students where we take a look at worship songs. Like, what are they saying? Is this biblical? If it is biblical, what are they saying through scripture? What is it saying to us? How do we react to this? And one of my favorite songs in all of worship, and I used to not like it when I first heard it, but it, one thing that Aaron and Wade has, has taught me is, is to pay attention to the lyrics. That's what, uh, why we're doing this series and why we did it in the first place. And here again, it talks about Jacob. I mean, he stole a birthright. He lied. There was so many things in his present life that he did, but God met him where he was. And the ladder came down or the stairway came down as the Bible uh, describes it. Now we don't need that because we have Jesus. But God met him where he was. And it was surrender through Jacob that God was greatly uh, able to use him through that point in time. And it's the same story in your life. I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't really care what you did this morning. But the enemy putting in your mind that you can't be used of God, I can promise you through Scripture, page after page, that's not of God. There's just too many amazing stories of how God shows up in the life of present people and changed their lives forever. There's so many that could be named. We don't have time to, to go through everyone in Scripture, but you know and you have read Moses, 80 years old, when the Lord called him into the ministry. The demon-possessed man in Mark chapter 5, 1 through 20, was a feared man by everyone, but the Lord was able to take the man who had caused so much trouble and was able to use him as a witness. We're talking about a man who was demon-possessed. Now, if I remember correctly, he wouldn't even go with Jesus. And Jesus said, no, what I need you to do is go and tell everybody how great this moment was in your present life. When you surrendered to me, I cast the demon out. And now you're going to make an impact in so many people's lives. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, is there any great, greater uh, thing that we could have in our mind of a reason why we couldn't be used to God? And we walk up to somebody and we say, hey, Olivia, you know why I can't be used to God? I'm demon-possessed. I mean, Olivia, pretty much, she would have the right to think, oh, you might have a great point. But the thing about it is, and, and I'm, I'm tell, I've seen my wife so mad at me before, I was thinking in that moment, like, God can't use, God can't use that. I am not saying she was de demon possessed. Not, yeah, I am. Here's the thing. It was no obstacle for God in the present. 
Jesus didn't even bat an eye to a man who was demon-possessed. Why? Because Jesus knew who he was. He knew the power that he had. Now, we forget about when we accept Jesus into our life, we forget about the power that lives inside of us. The power that lives inside of us is the same power that struck Paul down on the road to Damascus, changed his life forever from wanting to kill and persecute Christians to go and make as many Christians as he could in the world and inspiring a whole whole lot of people even after his death to carry the name of Jesus and make him famous wherever he can go a demon possessed man man I'm telling you in your present if you really think God's done with you it's a lie 2 Kings 7, 1, 2, 3 tells a story of four lepers who become the unlikely saviors, saviors of Jerusalem. God just took them where they were and used them in spite of their circumstances. So we can't even use disabilities as a reason of people saying, well, I can't effectively do anything else for God because I'm not able to. That's where you're, mis- you're not able is the perfect place that you need to be for God to be able to use you. Because you're absolutely true. None of us in this building breathing this morning is able to do anything worthy to spread God's name without the power of Christ inside of us. It's, it's not, it's the toughest thing that we have to overcome, especially in Charles reading an article the other night about the decline of the American church, consumer Christianity. Everybody kind of wants it the Burger King thing. I want it my way. If church is not my way, I'm just going to jump to another one. And I'm going to keep jumping to church until everything checks off the list and I'm happy because now I'm able to serve God. You have always been able. You just haven't surrendered to the one who can make you able to spread his name. What am I trying to get you to see this morning is your present, your past circumstances did not catch the Lord by surprise. Anything in your present that's going on right this second, God is not shook he's not taken back he's not surprised he knows every single thing that's in your life at this present time he's aware of it he's working in it and you might not see that work it may not make sense to you for a year or two years like John Piper said God can be doing 10,000 things in your life you may be aware of one I promise you in your present surrender God can use you to make a difference the last thing your past is not an obstacle. Your presence is not an obstacle. And third, your weakness. Your weaknesses are not an obstacle for God to be able to use you. Paul knew this, which why he wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I, the Spirit, am strong. It's hard. I I give it to you, man. We walk through some things in the present, and you're looking to the future, and you're thinking it's going to get no better, right? That's the enemy's number one goal. If he can get us to start fearing When our fear sets in, we start doubting what God can do. And then we start focusing on everything in our life that is a weakness. And then we start comparing ourselves to everybody else who we think is stronger than us in the faith. We do this. I know I've done it. I wish I could be more like so-and-so because, man, how do they handle it? Because when they have trials, when they have tribulations, they just seem like they have it all down. I can promise you this, church. One thing I have learned 
And we're so bad at being honest. There's not a breathing human being sitting in this place this morning that has it all together. Not, not, a, not a breathing one. And, and if you were here this morning thinking that, well, I do, then you absolutely do not have it together. But man, in those moments when we realize we don't have it all together, when we realize that our weaknesses can be used by God, when we realize that those things that we carry with us, that the enemy says, here's why you're disqualified. Look at all the weakness. God excels in taking the weak and foolish things out of this world and using them in a great way. I didn't say that. That's in scripture, 1 Corinthians 1 but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Your weaknesses that you think disqualify you are nothing for God. And let us again turn to the pages of the Bible to find proof of this truth that I'm telling you. We have already mentioned Moses, but God took this older man who had a speech. You can't use age. You can't say, well, I'm too old. Like, I, I, I've got to this point, and I'm too old to be used by God. That, you're never going to be too old. That, that's just, there's too, too much proof in Scripture of people who had aged a lot more than we have, right? And God still used them, and God is still using you. Do not let the enemy think because of your age that God's done with you. Straight lie. Same way that I try to tell these guys. It doesn't matter how young you are. God has used so many teenagers through scripture to change the world forever. And we still read it and we're still inspired by it. Whether it's David, whether it's Mary, so many young people. Age is just not a disqualification for God. There's nowhere in scripture where you will read God saying, you're 80. I'm done with you. You're 15. I haven't started with you. Age is not a thing. God used a young Jewish girl named Esther to save his people from slaughter. God used a young unnamed boy named David to be the greatest king to ever sit on the throne of Israel. God used a beggar named Lazarus to preach a daily sermon to a rich man. God used 12 unknown people that had no very little education and very little to offer anything or anybody. And he used those 12 to change the world forever. And set people's hearts on fire for God. God used a man who hated everything that Jesus stood for to write half of the New Testament. And like Paul, you may look upon yourself as being weak and unable to do much for the cause of Jesus. However, the truth of the matter is God doesn't need us to be strong and able or to stand up on our own two feet. He needs us to be weak and to be totally dependent upon him and his power. Again, scripture says that through and through. God is not looking for spiritual powerhouses. He's looking for people who have nothing more than faith and a desire to cling to him. 2 Corinthians eleven thirty. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weaknesses. None of this is an obstacle for God. It's just that point in life we get to surrender where we decide the slogan we, we come up with is we over me. When we get to that point, we're like, okay, it's, it's really not about me. Everything is about God. And I don't know if you've reached that point. Saul reached that point of, of our text in Acts chapter 9. Where it's like, okay, wait a minute. This anger, this hate, it's not about me. 
It's the same thing the enemy does. That's the reason I, I don't know how many times as a student pastor in the 19 years I've been in ministry, I have heard people tell me, whether it be students or adults, like, well, you know, the church hurt me, so I just don't go back. It's like we, everything that we can give as an excuse to not serve God, we give it. Because somehow we have decided and the enemy has put in our mind that everything on this earth is about us and it's not. And we get so offended by that. But then we read that we had no hope, that we, we, we had nothing of a future. And that God looked down and said, hey, you know what? Every one of you who are mad or angry or upset or holding grudges that refuse forgiveness, who are unhappy with the worship, who are unhappy with all the, everything in your present that you use as an excuse to not surrender and serve God, I'm going to send my son for each and every one of you through your imperfections, through your weaknesses, through the times of the most evil thoughts you could have, through the things you did last night and the things you're going to do today, I'm sending my son to let you know that each thing that you have compiled on your list of a reason why I can't use you through my son, there is zero obstacles for me. I mean, Anna just sang one of my favorites. God split the ocean opened, drowned our fears in perfect love. That all happens through surrender. And as being a people, I know it's hard, man, because when we got to set our pride aside sometimes and say, okay, everything that I'm harboring in my heart, my past, my present, my fears, my insecurities, my weaknesses, all these reasons that I have made excuse after excuse, today I just accept, man, I surrender these all to God because I have been shown through Scripture, not of man, through Scripture, that God takes any obstacle, flips it around, and makes impacts. That's what God does. That's why somebody in your family, when you sit and thought, and you know that you have them, whether it's through Thanksgiving or Christmas, man, there's always that one person, you're like, are they really coming, you know? Uh, do I have to be here? But there's also that other person that you, in your mind, you have seen God do a complete 180 in their life, and you thought that God could never change them. The thing that people, well, I can't go into the church, the church would fall down. No, it wouldn't, man. God holds his church up with his pinky finger. He don't blink an eye for you walking in and being who you are. I don't care how bad you are, what your past is, or what your present is. We're talking about God Almighty here. We're talking about God who created the world. That God, His Son, if you put your faith in Him, that's who lives inside of you and I. How in the world could we get to the point to where we think that God could not use us despite of all the mess that we have in us? Your mess is just not a surprise for God. And your life's never going to be too messy. The cross was messy. It meant nothing to God. God looks at the purpose and he looks at the future. He sees things that you and I could never see. We will never be able to see the things that God can in our life. And here's another fact that I want to let you. God didn't make two of you. He made nobody like you. There is not even twins or just alike. You are who God made you to be. By the grace of God, I am who I am. I'm not perfect. I get it wrong a lot of times. I don't understand everything that Scripture has to say. I'm not as smart as, smart as so-and-so, or, and, and I don't, I'm just not as eloquent as so-and-so. And, -so. and I, you get to the point of God can't use you, and today you're like, okay, that's all a lie. 
as Julie and him come back to this stage. It's absolute lie. The only thing that holds us back from whatever God can do in our life is our pride and the fact that we are not to the point of surrender. Because listen to me, church, when we're to that point of surrender, forgiveness happens. When we're at that point of surrender, anger kind of goes away. It doesn't happen right that second. But once you lay down everything to God, here's my sin, here's my pride, here's my ignorance of situations, here's the fact that I absolutely have believed that you could do nothing through my life because of who I am. And today in scripture, you have showed me that you're greater than any obstacle that I could ever stand against. I am no different than Saul. But through my surrender, may you make me like Paul where I can go and make an impact. I lay my fears and everything else down at your feet. If that is you this morning, we have a few ways that you can respond. When worship starts, you can come and pray, of course. And you're going to lay everything down at God's feet this morning. God, here's what I'm walking through. And for some reason, I just thought that you were, you, you were not looking at everything that I am stepping in right now. And I have just been a little bit worried and a little bit fearful that you have forgotten me in this situation right here in my present. It's a lie. I lay it down to your feet. I surrender it to you. We have the Lord's Supper on each side that if you or your family want to take part in that, you can. Or if you, and we, every Monday we meet, we have staff meeting and we pray for the prayers that are hung on the cross this morning. If you want to lay something down and God through writing, you can hang it to the cross and we will pray for you. But this morning, I pray that you know and I pray that you realize through everything that was said, God can absolutely use me. He's not even close to being done with me yet. Let's pray. Father, we give you the glory this morning. We thank you for your words. We thank you for what you did in Saul's life. Through the conversion, Lord, when the scales fell from his eyes, man, God, you used him no matter what his past was, what his present was, and he's still making an impact today. And that impact will not go away until the day that you come back. And I pray we rest on those words this morning. Wow, there is nothing in my life, possibly past, present, that is an obstacle for who God is and what God can do. May we lay it all down at your feet. May we surrender this morning to you just simply because how great your son is. May we just build our life upon that truth this morning. For it's in your son Jesus' name what we pray. Amen.